Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard, based here in Los Angeles. Joining me on the other line in New York is Billboard's editorial director, Jason Lipschitz. Hello, Jason. What's up, man? You have a new title. I do. I My... My first two weeks back on the Pop Shop podcast went so well that they were like, "You, we, we have to make you editorial director now. I put in a good word for you, so it worked out. Clearly. Thank you, my man. Thank you. Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we'll be talking about how we're seeing the first signs of the always busy fourth quarter as a bevy of A-listers dropped new tunes last Friday, including Sam Smith, Kelly Clarkson, uh, a bunch more. I'm, I'm pumped to talk about that. In addition, Logic has a surprise hit with 1-800-273-8255, thanks in part to the song's performance on the VMAs and the track's buzzy music video. Plus, we've got chart chat about how Taylor Swift continues to dominate the Billboard Hot 100 with not just one, but two tracks. How LCD Sound System scores its first number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. And how Thomas Rhett is on course to give country music its first number one album on the Billboard 200 this year. And we've got an interview with singer-songwriter Jack Johnson. He stopped by to chat about his new album, All the Light Above It 2, so stick around for that later on in the show. But first, before we get started, of course, if you enjoy the podcast, please, please, please subscribe to the show on iTunes so you never, ever, ever miss an episode. Give us a rating or review while you're at it. Keith, did we get any new ratings or reviews? Uh, I, I don't think we have. I checked a couple days ago. Come on, guys. We, we want some ratings. We want some reviews. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Uh, don't give us one star, but... You can give us six stars. You give us six stars? I don't even think that's possible. Uh, and if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. That's plural. Keith! Jason. Let's hit some of the biggest headlines on Billboard.com. So, it's been a packed week for new music. To say the least. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you about some of these. So, this past week... Just new, some of them. Not all of them, though. Just some of them. <laughs> just some of them. I, mean, I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can talk about all of them, but we'll try. Uh, Sam Smith came back. Kelly Clarkson's back. Haley Steinfeld made a song with Florida Georgia Line and Alesso. Zayn and Sia have a duet. U two has a new song. Demi Lovato has a new song. It's Q four, Keith. It's the fourth quarter. It's the fourth quarter. Everybody, get it, into it. It's the fourth quarter. Uh, um, it's game time. What's your favorite of the bunch? Um, well, I think my favorite's Kelly Clarkson's new track. Nice. Um, Love So Soft. You ain't had nothing better or something like that. I mean, it's, I think it's unexpected for what you would think Kelly Clarkson would give you. But I think that's the brilliance of sort of Kelly Clarkson is that she's a pop artist and she can give you like sort of a, a, a ballad moment or a dancey pop moment or a rocky moment. And and we actually had her on the podcast earlier this year when she was so super excited and looking forward to this album. And it was, and she said, I think, I, I'm paraphrasing, but she basically said it was like the album that she's always wanted to make. Now, I know that's kind of like what artists always say, but, you know, she seemed really jazzed about this kind of kind of quasi-throwback R&B 90s soulful vibe that she has going on, which you can hear in the new single. Totally, think, man. Jason? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I actually went to a Kelly Clarkson event 
on Wednesday night. Uh, she dropped the song on Thursday, and and she performed six new songs from her new album. And I, I gotta say, man, I, I'm as excited about this as I've been about a Kelly Clarkson project in a long time. And I, I, I'm a big Kelly fan, but it definitely does seem like a new start for her. She's on a new label with Atlantic Records, um, and she's definitely kind of leaning into that very sassy R&B vibe. Um, I, I can't wait for people to to, to see this live. Uh, you know, even if you you know, aren't feeling love so soft. I, I certainly am. But even if you aren't, you got to see these songs live because um, she's going to perform them uh, on tour with a full brass band, which is incredible to me. Wow. Uh, I don't know if that's like out there, but I, I'm sure she'd be happy. <laughs> it with is it. now. It is now. That's fine. Um, but yeah, definitely check out Love So Soft. Uh, new album, Meaning of Life, coming in a few months. Uh, now, Keith, have you checked out that the Haley Steinfeld, uh, Alesso... Florida it's Georgia Line and Alesso featuring Florida Georgia Line and Watt. It's yeah. called Let Me Go. It sounds like a hit. It sounds like something you hear on the radio to me, and, and this is not derogatory. It sounds like something that I would hear piped in through a casino lobby, like as I'm walking through <laughs> Vegas somewhere. Like it just sounds like you would hear it, and it sounds like it's a multi format hit. It can be pop, it can be adult top 40, it can be kind of country if you wanted to have a moment with country. I mean, and it sounds like a dance record, so it's kind of all over the place. It sounds like it's a hit. Yeah, I said this on Twitter, but but uh, it sounds to me like It Ain't Me uh, by Selena Gomez and Kygo. It sounds like that song on steroids to me. It, it has kind of that that uh, quieter verse, and then it has the, the kind of shouty chorus that... Uh, People are loving, and and then you have Alessa with with that uh, that drop uh, on the other end of it. Well, there are I, twice as many acts on this record, so maybe that helps. Yeah, I agree, yeah. man. I I I, th- I think that's definitely going to be a big hit this fall. Uh, Sam Smith. I mean, we're kind of burying the lead, but it's nice to have Sam Smith back. Uh, too good at goodbyes. Um, you know, I feel like I don't know about you, man. This song to me is like. Okay, it's fall time. It's look. I, I know Keith, you're in LA. It's it's sunny all the time over there, but to me, it's like the weather's turning a little a, a bit over here in New York. Kind of get that chill in the air. Crank up some sad Sam Smith. Uh, <laughs> zip up your jacket. Feel some feelings. Uh, what do you think, man? Look look longingly at the camera. Yeah, that's know, that's what I love to do in slow motion as like leaves fall in front of you. <laughs> um. Well, it sounds like a Sam Smith record. It sounds like you. It sounds like if you like Sam Smith, you will like this record. Um, I found it slightly more up tempo than I was expecting because uh, it's not all just like dreary slow song. But um, I, I I wasn't surprised. Let's say yeah. with the track, it didn't like oh this is a curveball. I'm like oh if you enjoy Sam Smith, then you will enjoy this record. Yeah, it definitely, you know, just coming a, a couple weeks uh, after Taylor Swift came back with Look What You Made Me Do, which we'll get to a little later in the show, uh, total change up for her. And this is definitely less of that, more in the, the kind of tried and true Sam Smith formula. Before we move before we move on, Keith, I want to also yes. shout out my favorite song of this past week, a um, song called Love by McConan featuring Ray Sremmerd, produced by Mike Will Made It. Sure. Uh, incredible song. So... Uh, <laughs> Incredible. It's literally like one of my favorite songs of the year. Wow. That's high praise. Um, all right, man. We got to move on. But uh, I, it, it's a lot of good new music. Check it all out. Are, are we moving on from all the new music? Are we moving on to something else now? Yeah, we we, uh, we, we didn't really talk about Zayn and Sia. What would you think about that one? Um, my, my, my hot take is dramatic, epic, 
sounding sounds like a radio hit um and also didn't the maroon 5 track come out last friday too or was that like a week before that yeah that was a week before that with SZA. yeah and then there's the new u2 track you're the best thing about me which sounds like classic u2 yeah i mean so i mean it's it's just hot and heavy between for like now and like the next like two months it's going to be nothing but like nothing but non-stop barrage of like a-listers dropping stuff also because the Grammy consideration period ends at, ends at the end of September. So that's also kind of why everyone's dumping these things out now in September too. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so we got to move on, man, uh, to Logic. So at the same time as, as Cardi B's ascent into the mainstream, uh, another rapper, Logic, now has a top 10 hit. Uh, same time as Cardi B's Bodak Yellow. Logic, number five on the Hot 100 with 1-800-273-8255 featuring Alessia Cara and Khalid. Uh, the song was released way back in April to preview Logic's Everybody album, which came out in May, but uh, has taken off on the Hot 100 on streaming. On It's kind of spiked everywhere, as, as your colleague Gary uh, got into last week on his chart story. Uh, it's, it's just taken off following a show-stopping VMA's performance. Um, now, now, Keith, did you, end up, did, you ever, did you end up watching that performance? It, it, was, pretty, it was pretty moving. You know, I'm going to be honest and say I haven't actually seen it yet. Oh, I'm terrible. Okay. No, that I, I that would never I would never call you terrible because you did not see a VMA's performance. But I've seen I, I mean I've seen the music video <laughs> and the music video is a wallop. So I mean the the, the I, I can imagine uh, the impact of the performance too. Yeah. So I, I mean it's uh, the the song. I mean you don't really see you see sometimes an award show performance maybe on the Grammys maybe Billboard Music Awards uh, you know really pump up a song on the charts but um yeah this one was the vmas and uh it gave the first top 10 hit for logic first top 10 hit for khalid who's had a, an amazing year on his own i actually i actually spoke to khalid about this uh last week um for a story on billboard.com that's up now uh he said that and i'm quoting him i hoped that it would help other people I didn't expect it to go top 10. It's kind of overwhelming because it allows me to realize that while this is the beginning for me, I do have a top 10 song with artists like Alessia Cara and Logic who are amazing and use their platform to benefit others. Something that we've talked about in the office over here, Keith, is there, there's there been um, definitely a rise of, um, you know, kind of downcast rap uh if if you will um and and i'm not saying that in a negative way but if you think about someone like 21 savage and future and Lil uzi vert um you know taking turns toward the darker side and i I think that a song like this uh and a performance like at the vmas super uplifting has uh maybe acted as a palate cleanser uh for those that kind of rap trend it's nice to have the balance, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, to have a little bit of a, you need to have the yin and the yang, a little bit of, you know, all the different colors and, you know, rap doesn't have to just be one thing. And we've certainly seen, as you note, you know, a certain kind of flavor of hip hop in very recent times be of a certain kind. And it's nice to see something a little bit different. Uh, yeah. I have I, success. I totally agree, man. And I, I love all of it. I mean, I, I've been listening to, you know, Lil Uzi Vert's new album. Uh, You've been all over that XXX Tentacion. I have dude. not. I have not been all over that one. Um, but the the Uzi album's awesome. The Twenty One Savage uh, album's great. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of nice to have this um, you know, this this kind of pop uh, commercial rap song that's really taken off in the Hot One Hundred. Well, should we move on? Let's do it, man. 
Well, let's uh, run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts. Number one, Taylor Swift debuts straight into the top five on the Billboard Hot 100 with her latest song, Ready For It. Well, she continues to rule at number one with Look What You Made Me Do. Number two, LCD Sound System scores its first number one on the Billboard 200 with American Dream. And number three, Thomas Rhett is on course for his first number one album on the Billboard 200 with his new set, Life Changes. And if it hits number one, it will mark the first chart topper for country music in 2017. All right, let's break each of these down. Let's do it, man. Number one, everything's coming up Taylor Swift on the Hot 100 as her new song, Ready For It, debuts at number four. Uh, The tune sold 135,000 downloads in its first week, according to Nielsen Music, and it starts at number 11 on the streaming songs chart. And it also earned 13 million in radio audience uh, in its debut frame, which is pretty unusual considering that's not an official radio single. Uh, Look What You you Made Me Do just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, It's still her current radio track. Um, Meanwhile, Look What You Made Me Do spins a second week at number one, a week ago, the song roared in atop the list, displacing Despacito. See what I did there? Displacing Spiciness, des- I love it. Despa- displacing Despacito by uh, Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee, featuring Justin Bieber, which fell to number two. Now this week, Despacito dips further down the list as it falls to number three, while Cardi B's Bodak Yellow rises three to two, which kind of makes you think that maybe this is the end for Despacito because we thought like maybe Despacito would just move away from number one after 16 weeks and then go back to number one to break the record. But now if it's number three, it seems kind of unlikely, at least in the short term. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Um, It's, you know, it's it's just quickly, it's, it's kind of an amazing bit of timing huh like you know it ties the record if taylor swift had if taylor had swift hadn't done that waited one more week uh we might have an all-time new uh hot 100 number one leader um well believers uh make sure you address that to the swifties and yeah. uh let her let them know how you feel <laughs> that's i'm kidding um notably as hot 100 chart manager gary trust points out in his online story about this week's chart uh with taylor and cardi b in the top two It's the first time the chart has two solo women in lead roles uh, in the top two simultaneously for the first time in almost three years since uh, the December 13th, 2014 chart when Taylor Swift was number one with Blank Space and Megan Trainor was number two with All About That Bass. So funny, like after uh, like a couple months where we didn't have any women really in the top five or top 10 suddenly we're getting this influx of women thanks to cardi b and taylor swift so that's nice to see um next up lcd sound system returns to the billboard 200 after more than seven years and in a spectacular fashion with the act's first number one album the act's new american dream bows atop the list with eighty-five thousand equivalent album units earned in the week ending september 7th with eighty-one thousand of that sum in traditional album sales Now, like many other chart-topping sets this year, the album was aided by a concert ticket album bundle sale redemption promotion in association with the Axe U.S. Tour. I gotta say, you you really made the phrase concert ticket album bundle sale redemption promotion like super exciting. You concert ticket album bundle sale redemption promotion. You are. 
I want to I want to drive home how um well because you know there's sometimes sometimes you know fans get like wah wah like what's this like ticket bundle thing I'm like well actually you know these ticket bundle things you're actually paying for the album like yeah. you know if if uh, you know if you bought a ticket to LCD's upcoming tour your ticket price actually truly there is a baked in amount of money that is allotted towards the album um, because I see all this paperwork <laughs> and it's up to you if you actually want to redeem that offer. Like, you know, not everyone actually redeems it. Like you can choose to redeem the offer and have the album sent to you. And then only those albums that are redeemed actually count towards the charts. So um, you're paying for it, but if you don't actually ever say that you want the album, it's not going to count towards the charts. Now I'm not sure if people knew that. So now you know that. And lastly, according to industry forecasters, Thomas Rhett is on course for his first number one album on the Billboard 200 with Life Changes. Those in the know say it could earn over 100,000 equivalent album units in the week ending September 14th. Now, if Rhett starts at number one, it will give country music its first number one album this year. The last number one by a country uh, artist was nearly a year ago. When Jason Aldean's They Don't Know debuted on the list dated October 1st, 2016. And would you believe it? Jason Aldean was the only country artist to be number one at all in 2016. So kind of a big deal. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we, we talked about Logic. I don't know if you remember, but there was like a big race in May between Logic and Chris Stapleton and Logic edged him out. On yeah. So. We've uh, had we've had four I think it's like four country albums hit number two this year. We had Zach yeah. Brown Band, there was Brantley Gilbert, Chris Stapleton, and I want to say Brett Eldridge all hit number two, like debuted at number two behind something else. And usually the culprit is there's usually an, an album that has a lot of streams. Yeah, at number one that's helping it. Whereas like the country album sells well, whatever's at number one usually has more streams behind it. Thomas on the other hand, is a strong seller. In addition, actually has a bunch of hit singles and people are streaming his album and streaming his song, so that's helping him. So he's got both things going for him, which is certainly helpful. But we'll find out next week if he's number one. Stay I also, tuned. I also want to, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Keith, but I want to I want to plug a, a great story on Billboard.com. Andrew Unterberger in, in our uh, Grammy Watch Grammys column that, that's running each week on Billboard.com wrote about uh, some of the country music hopefuls uh, for the 2018 Grammys. Uh, talking about Sam Hunt. Spotty I was going to say Sam Hunt, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, that that was kind of the thesis. It, it's it's kind of like this one Sam Hunt song, and will anything else have a uh, have a shot to make the general four categories? So it was a really great piece. Check that out on Billboard.com. Well, now it is time for our interview with Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Uh, the singer-songwriter stopped by. Um, he's probably never been introduced that way, like Jack Johnson, like a wrestler, apparently. like a wrestler. Yeah, I like it. Um, he's 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 he seems very low key. I don't think we're going to introduce him like a WWE wrestler. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, the singer-songwriter stopped by the office here in LA to chat about his just released new album, "All the Light Above It 2, which is aiming for a top five debut on the Billboard 200 next week. We talked to the two-time Grammy Award nominee and owner of four number one albums on the Billboard 200, not too shabby, about the inspiration behind his new set and much more. So take a listen to our chat with Jack Johnson. And all the real estate in my mind is for sale. It's all been subdivided. 
welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Jack Johnson. Yeah, thank you. How are you? Great. Um, I read somewhere that you don't do a whole lot of like interviews and like press interviews. Is that is that a fair estimation of? Well, I'm doing one right now. Well, I know <laughs> that, but I'm like Just maybe kidding. maybe no, you're not I don't always do on the road doing promo. It's 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 uh, it comes in waves, you know. With the with the album, I'll I'll do a little bit. We we finish an album. I'm excited to get the word out about it, and I'm willing to go work a little. And then when I'm off tour. And off, you know, finish making an album and it's all, once the cycle's over, I tend to just not want to have my name anywhere for a while and just <laughs> escape it all for a while. Is it better to let the music sort of speak for itself or is it just yeah, like, I think I, so. if I don't have to work and do the press, why should I? It's a little bit of both. And then it's also, you know, it's like, uh, it's a, I've, I walked this fine line between getting excited to kind of uh, spread the word on a new album and then sometimes feeling like, why did I share all that? That's kind of my private stuff. Because, you know, it's a weird thing where you... The songs, you share a lot of private things, but they've all gone through this editing process in the mind where you decide those are things you're willing to share. Right. And then sometimes in an interview, all of a sudden, you're answering a question that you just didn't really think you'd be talking about. You know? Right. So, it, it, so anyways, like by the end of all that, you kind of think, like, I need a break from all this for a while and just don't need to be talking about myself. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, that's the, 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 uh, the perils of being a music star. You know, people ask you about music, but at the same time, they also ask you about random other stuff and sometimes yeah, the conversation can end up in some other place where you never anticipated it going yeah but it's fair i mean i love you know like an artist that i might really like it's 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 fun to hear background on the songs it's fun to hear where they're coming from and so yeah it's just like this line that everybody has to figure out how much of that are you willing to give out and right. how much do you want to keep you know this everybody has their own line for it well um all the Light Above It 2 uh, is your first studio album in nearly four years. Um, your last one came out in, like, I think September of 2013, so it's been almost exactly yeah, four years. Yeah, about exactly. Yeah. You planned it that way, I'm sure. Um, fans, I would imagine, have been very patiently waiting for new music. And I noticed, though, that this is the longest time that you spent between studio projects. Was that Were you aware of that, or was it, did this, just, this album take a little bit longer to pull together than previous efforts? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it was um, a little bit of each. I think it felt about the same amount of time, actually, funny enough. It, I didn't feel like I was taking a longer break. It's just where I'm at in life. It just felt about that. That was the amount of time it was needed to do it naturally. Right. I kind of wait around. There's this one moment usually where my wife and I will sit around the table and we'll get, oh, I'm not really great about having like one notebook or even one device that I record everything onto. I've got one that looks like that one there on the table, and I've got... Jack is gesturing at the recording device that's recording our show right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know, I got some like a thing like that, and then I got this old four-track that you put cassette tapes in that I've always used, and when i really starting to like a song, I want to get it on there because there's something about that process of using the cassette and the sound of the tape and everything I really like. And then I just sometimes straight onto my phone, sometimes, you know, I go on my computer. So anyways, my wife is very good at kind of helping me to go okay let's get everything in one place let's get all your notebooks out we start reading through old ideas and, and new ones and those kind of go together you can make a song she's kind of like my i don't know if you call it an editor i was gonna say executive producer yeah something <laughs> like that you know she kind of helps me she, to she's helping with the a and r in a way to piece of. it all together yeah and, and which songs resonate with her and she's always been a part of my songwriting process we've been together since we were 18 so she's always been in the room Wow. When I was trying to write, you know, and so I'd always kind of look over at her when I'd say a new line and see if it would catch her attention or not. And she's like, mm-mm. No. Yeah. She, yeah, she never really gave me, like, the negatives, but I would tell when she would turn around and be like, oh, that's nice, I like that. You know, then I would kind of like, like, oh, okay. good, that's right yeah, down. I would keep that. And so anyways, it just came to the point where um, it just probably a little more time passed before we decided to sit down around the table and get all those ideas together into a place. And um, 
yeah, a little longer break between starts to feel more and more natural with with kids and all that kind of yeah, stuff. You yeah, know, other stuff like, distracting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was uh, not to say that you're like going to like pull a Sade on us where it's like, yeah, I go 10 years between albums. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's probably a bit much. Um, but uh, that said, uh, I think you said somewhere uh, that this album is basically what you've been thinking about for the past year mm-hmm. um, and how part of it was inspired by you traveling the North Atlantic. Um, so I'm, I really want to know if any of the songs on the album were actually like written or recorded on a boat somewhere on the water yeah. in the North Atlantic. Yeah, actually, um, one was 100%. It's called Fragments. It's the last song on the record. It was originally recorded for the movie that we filmed on that boat. And so I, there's one version of it that's in the movie, I think. it's yeah. I forget if it was in one edit or it's in the final edit, but there's a part where I'm sitting on the boat and I start playing. I don't have all the words for it yet, but you can. I start playing the guitar part maybe the one or two lines I had at that point when we were filming that scene. And then I, um, I wrote the rest of it before I got home. And so going through that process of deciding, okay, I'm actually going to finish a song. Because like, it's really easy to come up with the little sparks that become the song for me. That it's like I got a million ideas floating around all the time. And then there's part of me that has to decide, okay, I'm going to take the time and the work to actually make a, finish the song. Because sometimes like the first verse and chorus, those will come real easy. And I'll get a, a bunch of those laying around. And then... Second verses, a bridge, you know, the third verse. Sometimes those ones I got to go, okay, what does this song mean to me? What am I trying to say? And actually focus on it and work a little bit. Right. And so doing that process on that song called Fragments, it reminded me, oh, I really like this. It's fun. I'd taken a break from it. I always kind of find it's important to take a breath in before trying to breathe things out again so they're not just nonsense. And um, mm-hmm. it felt like that time again to sort of breathe out. It was. It, I really enjoyed crafting that song, and I was like, okay, cool, I want to – start doing this again hmm. was that like was that the first song that you did that turned into the album yeah like that sort of sparked everything yeah else that would have been and then um at that point though i didn't know that i was gonna make a an album within was, the year but I, I think then i wrote this song called subplots that became the first song and it's funny i didn't realize it till right now talking to you but that's the first and the last song so they became kind of the bookends hmm. it, sometimes i'll get a certain song where i'll think okay, yeah, this is a song I can kind of start to base a record around, like some of these themes. And Subplots, to me, ended up being the first song because it was, I don't know, you know, maybe it sounds too, uh, like, I don't know, up on the high horse. But it, a lot of times, like, I'll look at the songs afterwards and I'll think, which one is the thesis statement? And to me, Subplots, it was talking about all the rest of the songs. Like, each of the other songs on the record were the subplots. Right. And, they, and Subplots kind of talks about um, all those things that can keep you up at night and the things that can uh start you know you can know the world can become overwhelming and sometimes i just got to remember that the light shines in all directions and it not only shines down on earth but it goes the other way too and we're just these small little beings out in the middle of it all it's sometimes like that macro uh cosm kind of Mm -hmm. view helps me to just relax a little bit you know just remember how small we really are out here and so that became a little bit of a theme on the record all the light above it too kind of refers to that that it goes both directions um speaking of which you know there's there's a song on the album which was the first single i believe from the album uh my mind is for sale um where it's you can take it in sort of a like you're you possibly are addressing some sort of political aspects of Mm -hmm. life um where you sing um i don't care for your paranoid us against them fearful kind of walls which some could interpret as being about the border wall Um, were you concerned about people misinterpreting your words or taking them into a certain way or maybe 
thinking of what you're saying in the way that maybe you hadn't intended does that sure, enter yeah, your yeah. mind when you do yeah this? totally it's fair enough um and it's it's definitely very much meant to be about trump and some of the walls that he's building not you know not only that one wall to me it's like there's all these metaphorical walls of just um any of his uh, dialogue that kind of divides people and kind of builds these walls between cultures and races and I just feel like there's a lot of that going on. And it's not just one person. I'm not trying to ever write a song that's like anti one person. Right. Um, it's anti some of the ideas that are coming out, you know, in politics right now. And it's also meant to be pro. Like, it's easy to say what you're against, but it's important to have something to replace that with, you know, what do you believe in? And so it's, it's as much a, a pro love song than it is an anti, <laughs> uh, you know, Trump song or anything like that. It's, it's really meant to just be about anybody who wants to build any kind of walls or talk about themselves and kind of uh, focus on the self so much instead of the community. I mean, that's the idea for that song for me. But it's, yeah, it's very much understandable that it would be uh, translated into this moment right now and that, you know, that particular wall. It's a lot about how he talks about that wall in such a way that's, uh, to me, very uh, dividing. Yeah. Um, on a lighter topic, um, on the Billboard 200 chart, I, I work in the charts department at Billboard. I'm the co-director of charts. I also manage the Billboard 200 chart, which you've had four number one albums on, by the way. Have I? Um, you had to have known that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, if That's exciting. I'm like, I didn't know the exact like, number. It's been a good little run. Like We were just talking about it uh, earlier today. Just, you know, this whole thing, I feel so grateful to have this have ever happened on any record. And it's exciting that it's that we get to keep playing music and that that fan base has been so supportive, you know, so we really appreciate it. Does, um, does, just, does chart success and the fact that you've sold more than 13 million albums in the U S does that, does that kind of phase you at all? Cause it seems like you're an incredibly humble, like guy, even though obviously you have a record label and you're a business person, does, does that phase you in any capacity or you're just like, cool, I'm glad that we're successful and that people can enjoy the music. Yeah, I know it's, um, it's an interesting one to talk about because it's not so much like uh, the numbers are important. It's like we've always looked at it, you know, it's, it's exciting to like plant a garden and then a couple of days later to see these little things start coming out of the ground. And then if you can actually make that corn, yeah, you can make that plant go all the way through the whole cycle. And we've always kind of thought of the music thing as that you make these records and it's kind of like you want to see that garden grow. So it is exciting. And like getting a number one record, I mean, it's nothing I was ever shooting for. I mean, I can honestly say that it's like we just wanted to make an album the first time around that maybe would be like one person's favorite record. Like I remember thinking that I remember saying that to my wife of listening to the the right before the master was you know finished and I was just thinking we were in the car and I'm driving and telling her like I just hope it's somebody's favorite record. That would mean so much to me if like somebody felt the way about this record that I feel about you know certain records in my life. Was this for Brushfire? Yeah, Brushfire Fairy Tales. And we've kind of every time around just had that same feeling. I mean, even now like I put out this new one. And I'm never trying to compete with the old ones. I kind of realized we were really lucky to have this run we did. And I see, like, way back there, I think our third record, probably, In Between Dreams, even during that time, I knew that I was never going to have a record that got that big again. Because mm-hmm. to me, it was I was it was pre... I think maybe I just had my first baby when we did that one. But I was doing a lot. You know, the, the songs were connecting at the radio stations, and I was, like, going and doing a lot of interviews. And I was working a lot out on the road. We'd go play, like in stores at the record stores and the amount of work I was doing um, because you know it's easy to look at it from the outside and it probably just seems like kind of easy but it takes a lot of work I mean it's a lot of going through different places and yeah showing up for those interviews and showing up for playing at the music stores and anyways I kind of knew that that was that was it for us like that was probably our peak and so the rest of this (laughs) has just been kind of like 
all really exciting that we still get to do it, you know. And every time we make a record, I just kind of have that same hope that at this point in my life and these songs that I'm writing kind of um, trying to, you know, it's like you try your best to make them come from some truth that that resonates with somebody in the world and that it's somebody's favorite record. Wow. That's kind of what I've always tried for, you know. Um, well, last thing, because I know you have to go. Um, I've been at Billboard for uh, a long time, and I was here when you had your first number one album. And at the time, my boss, who was the then director of charts, he would regularly call the record label, whoever was number one that week, and congratulate them. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was in his office when he called uh, Republic uh, the week that the Curious George soundtrack debuted mm -hmm. at number one, which was your first number one album. And um, he called, I think it might have been Monty or Avery Lipman, one of the, one of the Lipmans. And I think they were at the Brit Awards, um, either at rehearsal or at the show. And he was calling to congratulate them and said, hold on, let me get Jack. Mm -hmm. And I overheard my boss congratulating you oh, that's cool. on your first number uh -huh. one album. I don't know if you actually remember yeah, finding no, I out do about remember. that. Yeah, or... I do remember. Yeah, that's really cool that you were in the room and the, you know we have that connection yeah. at the same time. I mean, I didn't tell you. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm, no, but... someone else did. But I was just like... You just, he was at the Brit Awards, like, yeah, he was, I guess he was in the audience or backstage, uh -huh. and I'm like, what a cool way to find out. That, yeah, you know. no, it was really cool, and I guess, like, kind of trying to answer your last question better, you know, like, those times, because you're asking, does it get a number one record, it, it feels like um, that thing that you're shooting for of trying to make it resonate, you just realize that it has resonated, it's kind of like a, if anything, I look at it, that it's kind of symbolic that that record resonated with a lot of people, you know, yeah. and, and that feels good, um, that part of it. But I think it's kind of important to be careful you don't get this, uh, I don't know, I feel like music always suffers when competition gets into it or any kind of thing like that. I've always tried to make music as collaborative as I can with others, other people, other musicians. And even with my own albums, they're like all these babies that you, that you have and you, <laughs> you don't want to love one more than the other. So, uh, yeah, so I think as long as you keep the competition out, but, you know, you really appreciate when they do well, it's like... Um, it's you just have to accept that they're resonating. We're so, anyways, about, yeah, that's exciting. We're not Billboard's not about competition on our charts. We're just saluting you and saying yeah, that no, you exactly. did great. That's yeah, all. That's cool. um, well, this has been great, and um, I kept you longer than I anticipated. So, thank you for sticking around and not running out the door. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so, uh, thank you so much to Jack Johnson, and make sure to check out his new album, All the Light Above It Two. It's out now. Go check it out. And uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. This world, Thank you so much to Mr. Jack Johnson for stopping by the office. That'll be our new way of introducing him forevermore. <laughs> uh, we appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to a very nice debut next week on the Billboard 200. And now, Jason, do you know what time it is? <sighs> Feels like it's charts that time. Ding, 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 ding. It's time for the chart set of the week. <laughs> Uh, this week, in 1974, Eric Clapton got his only number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with I Shot the Sheriff. Uh, the song spent one week at number one on the September 14th, 1974 dated tally. The track, which was written by Bob Marley, also gave the reggae legend his only number one as a songwriter on the list. Now, Marley himself never actually scored a top 40 hit on the Hot 100 as an artist, believe it or not. Uh, most people would be surprised by that, considering everyone knows lots of Bob Marley songs, but they either were never released singles back in the day, or they just never got popular enough to hit the top 40. Who knew? Anyway, 
back to Clapton. I Shot the Sheriff <laughs> was Eric's first of six top 10 singles. He most recently visited the top 10 back in 1996 with Change the World, which hit number five. Oh, love that song. Um, if I could change the from world. F- from Phenomenon. Uh, from Phenomenon. John Travolta. Oh, I love you with uh, your uh, like sort of <laughs> mid to late '90s soundtrack album references. My favorite, man. Do you remember? Did, did you ever see that movie? Um, no. Am I what? missing out? Dude, you have to see Phenomenon. It's no, I don't think I ever. have to. Is it that good? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh my god, I I cry at that movie every every time. I can't tell if you're being real or not. I'm, I'm dead serious. Uh, I I absolutely cry All every right. time I watch Phenomenon. For, well, those, uh, for those out there that have seen Phenomenon and, and cry, too, you understand. Wow. Okay. Well, um, back to Eric Clapton and non-Phenomenon talk. Something like a Phenomenon. It's not a little Cool J reference. Never mind. Um, Clapton actually came closest to hitting number one again back in 1992 with Tears in Heaven, which spent four straight weeks in the runner-up slot, stuck behind Vanessa Williams' Save the best for last. So, there you have it. This week in 1974, Eric Clapton got his first and so far only number one on the Hot 100 with a cover of Bob Marley's I Shot the Sheriff. Okay. We have reached the end of our shoe. Jason? Yeah, man. Um, for, for parting words, I just want to say... Uh, to uh, anybody listening out there, you know, uh, affected by the storms this week, um, thinking about you guys um, in our thoughts and, and uh, in our prayers and, and hope everybody's doing OK down in Texas, down in Houston, down in Florida, um, have family and uh, both of those uh, family and friends in both of those states. So, um, yeah, um, hopefully everybody's doing OK. And uh, yeah, give for those that are not there, uh, give what you can, give what you can. Wow. Um, I don't know how to follow that up. Like, what song could we possibly go out on that is the is, a, is an appropriate song for the for for I'll that? Tell you, I'll tell you what's an appropriate song, man. Change the world from the hit movie Phenomenon by well, let's Eric Clapton. Let's do that. Let's do that, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks.